Hello loves and welcome to another episode of the Iron Wifey podcast where we sharpen and encourage one another in Christ. I am so excited to have you back for another week. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Sunday and I am excited to dive into what's most important. And I kind of touched on this last week when I told you the story of my father and how he committed suicide and took his life and the lessons that I learned and how the Lord helped me through that season of my life. But also the word being the Lord helping you through and how the Lord can help you through any situation. But today I want to talk about what's most important and it goes back to that, that event in my life where my dad passed because what happened was while we were planning the funeral and handling the arrangements and taking care of business and you know all the other stuff we found a letter and so in today's episode i'm going to talk about that letter and why it is so important (laughs) what i have learned from it and what we together can learn from it as well so without further ado let's hop into today's episode All right, guys, so what's most important? While we were planning the funeral arrangements for my dad, uh, we were using a notebook in the house. Like, it was just, you know, some random notebook that you just happened to see. You need a piece of paper to write down everything, and my stepmom just happened to be using that notebook to write down all of the details, all any notes that she needed from that weekend. And as she was going through the notebook, there was a letter in the notebook titled what's most important and so we didn't realize that the notebook that we were using belonged to my dad for his personal bible studies and in this study he talks about what is most important in his life and now i'm going to show you guys this letter right here i'm gonna just put it up for you so you can see it Um, but i'm going to read this letter to you and i decided to have bible study surrounding this letter particularly because if it was what was most important to my father, then I believe that it's something that I should see as important as well. And then on top of that, I did end up reading this letter at his funeral because I didn't have words to say. Honestly, I didn't have anything to say. And so I figured that I would just use his words at his funeral and let people know what was most important to him so that instead of focusing on how he passed, they can focus on what God has in store for them. And that was just my mindset at that point. And so this letter, what's most important, it reads, what's most important? Number one, God. My personal relationship, learning that I'm created by God, I'm his son. I must respect him as my father. I must know his voice among many. I must walk as a light to the world. I must know that man nor woman is to become my God. I must know that God has kept me strong and knowledgeable about his purpose for me. I must be willing to let go of anything or any person if they decide to go against the will of God and against God's will or purpose because God is my father, mother, sister, brother, mate, and so much more. It's important to serve him 
more important, sorry, it's more important to serve him than it is to serve them. I must learn that when God shows me something, it's a sign that I must acknowledge and pray for revelation. God often shows me more than one sign, but I fail to see it because I'm afraid of the results. I'm afraid of rejection. Rejection could be for the best if it's in God's will. Most people feel rejection as a hurt or loss, but God's rejection is for the benefit of your soul. This is a letter entitled, What's Most Important, that my father wrote prior to his death and during his, his Bible study times with the Lord. And so I decided to have Bible study regarding this letter. <laughs> I decided to dive deeper into this letter and what it meant to me and what's most important to me as well. And two very big points that I pulled out from this letter, and yes, I have my notes, y'all. <laughs> Um, Two big points that I pulled out from this letter are, number one, you are God's creation. And number two, God's rejection and his discipline go hand in hand. And I'm going to break this down. Now, from the letter, starting out, the letter said, it started out saying, number one, God, my personal relationship, learning that I'm created by God, I'm his son, I must respect him as my father, I must know his voice among many, I must walk as a light in this world, I must know that man nor woman is to become my God. That teaches me that we are God's creation. Our personal relationship with God is what is most important. Not our parents' relationship with God, not our grandparents' relationship with God, not the church's relationship with God, but our personal relationship with God is what's most important. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you don't know him and he doesn't know you. (laughs) It's like, like any other relationship, like my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my father. Without a relationship, there is no connection. And without connection, there is no understanding. And without understanding, there is no, there is no love. I mean, I'm not going to say that you don't love strangers because we do love strangers, those who we don't have relationships with. However, the love is not as deep as it is when you know someone, when you have built a relationship with someone, when you have an understanding of who they are and how they are and why they operate the way that they do. There's a respect, there's a mutual respect, and there's a mutual love and understanding in that relationship. And so for the most important thing, for number one, to be God in your personal relationship with God, I pulled out a couple of scriptures that talk about our relationship with God, him being our father and we being his child. And so for first off, or first off, uh, Revelations 4. Revelations 4 says, you are worthy, O God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. We are God's creation. He created all things. There is nothing on this earth, you included. There is nothing on this earth that God did not create. And everything that he created, he was pleased with, which means that God was pleased with us as his creation. Ephesians 2 says that we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
we are a masterpiece. If you like art, <laughs> if you like anything artistic or creative and you see something that struck your soul as most the most beautiful thing or created with such goodness like that is a masterpiece we are a work of art in the eyes of our heavenly father we are a masterpiece and he created us so that we can do the good things that he planned long ago and when i read this i think of parents and children and I'm not a parent, but just from watching how parents operate, when you have a baby, when you're pregnant with a child, you have so many great plans in store for your children. You do, parents do, just naturally. It's naturally instinctive that you believe that your child is going to complete the world's best of its best. Like your child is going to take over the world in a good way. <laughs> Um, and be, you know, extremely loving and have impact and influence and be successful. And you want nothing but what's best for your child. And as children of God, God wants nothing but his best for us. We are his masterpiece. He wants the whole world to see us. He wants the whole world to love us. He wants the whole world to accept us as good. And he has so many good things planned for us way before we were even born. You know, the Bible says that we were, when we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. He stitched us in, in the innermost workings together. He put us together. He created us for all things are created through Christ. And nothing created that has not been created does not exist. So we are his masterpiece. We are his creation. And then Psalms 103, verse 13, says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate, to those who fear him. So if you have lost your father, your earthly father, like I have lost my father, or if you never had a relationship with your father, or if you honestly, you may know your father, but you don't know your father. You don't have a relationship with your father. There are families who seem really good on the outside, but on the inside are falling apart. The Lord is like our father. And in this letter, my dad wrote down that I must know that God has kept me strong and knowledgeable about his purpose for me. And I must be willing to let go of anything or any person if they decide to go against the will of God or purpose because God is my father, my mother, my sister, my brother, my mate. And it's more important to serve him than it is to serve them. God is our father. He is our father. And when, he, and when my father broke this down in this letter, I was so moved by this passage alone because a lot of us will idolize our parents. We will place our parents in the position of gods and idols and our mates, our spouse, you know, our family in these positions that are that should only be held for God. You know, the family unit, especially in the black community, is so strong because it's like, you know, family or die. But really, it's like, no, God or die. Because our family, although blood-related, may not be living for Christ. And when it comes to our relationship, our personal relationship with God, and not leaning on the relationship of God that our family members have, then it's very important that we establish 
a relationship with our Father. It's very important that we understand that serving Him is going to be our decision and our choice, and it's going to be based on our actions and our belief and our faith and no one else's. And so our personal relationship with God is so important because as His creation, we would like to know our Creator. And when my father said that I, I, I need to decide that if anyone goes against the will of God, that I need to be willing to let go of them, then that also means letting go of family members. That also means letting go of anyone who goes against God's will in your life and being okay with ending relationships that may not suit you or may not help you spiritually. Because most toxic or most, most toxicity comes from family, family and sometimes friends. But most of the toxic things that we put up with often stem from the root and the foundation of our household. And Jesus, even when he went home, he was rejected by the people who he called family, by his very own people. When Jesus died on the cross, he was rejected by the Christians, the people who claimed to follow him, by his very own people. And so we need to understand that letting go of relationships or letting go of people who go against the will of God in our lives is okay. Because our personal relationship with God is what's most important. And then to conclude that we are God's creation, 2 Corinthians says that I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so I am grateful that regardless of our personal relationship with our earthly parents, that we have a father who loves us eternally, who has claimed us as his sons and daughters in Christ, and who is going to make sure that we are able to complete the good things that he planned for us so long ago. So the Iron Wifey podcast is designed to sharpen and encourage men and women in Christ. And so when I release these podcast episodes, when I'm recording, when I am praying over what to release to you, the word that God has for the week, it is to send out a message that is going to encourage or send out a message that is going to sharpen others. And in order to send out that message, of course, yes, I post, I put it out there. I have you guys here to listen to it. But I also encourage you to have feedback. I encourage you to let me know what you think. I encourage you to rate, review, subscribe. So if you are listening to this podcast on podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Anchor, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, please rate, review, subscribe. It helps, it grows the podcast, it gets the message out there, and it allows for other people to receive a word that's going to sharpen and encourage them. But if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to this YouTube channel and comment below your takeaways from this episode because I believe that each and every message that is put out there is spirit-driven and God-led. And so I just want to make sure that I am being obedient and I know that I am being obedient when at least one person is impacted by this message. And so if you are that one, please let me know, comment below how this message has helped you. And that's it. So let's get back into this episode. Okay, so we talked about how there were two points of what this letter has taught me about what's most important. Um, And the first point being that we are God's creation. The second point is that God's rejection and discipline go hand in hand. And here is why. When we look at this letter and what my father talked about, 
with God's rejection. He said that I have to learn that when God shows me something, it's a sign. And I have to acknowledge and pray for revelation. God often shows me more than one sign, but I fail to see it because I'm afraid of the results. I'm afraid of rejection. Now, rejection could be for the best if it's in God's will. And most people for rejection as a hurt or loss, but God's rejection is for the benefit of your soul. I want to talk about why rejection and discipline go hand in hand and how we can often confuse the two in our lives. And here's why, right? So when you look up the actual definition of rejection, rejection biblically is defined as to refuse to accept, to refuse to consider, to refuse to submit to, or to refuse to take for some purpose, or to refuse to hear, receive, or admit. So rejection is refusal. Refusal of acceptance, refusal of submission, refusal of commitment, refusal of using for a purpose, or just refusing to hear, receive, or admit. Now, the definition of discipline is punishment or instruction. That's it. That's discipline. You either receive punishment as a form of discipline or you receive instruction. And so as I was studying what discipline and rejection have in common or if they even have anything in common or if there was any type of correlation or revelation that I needed to learn regarding discipline and rejection, the Holy Spirit taught me and I have it written down here, is that discipline is a repercussion of rejection. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. Discipline is a repercussion of rejection. So when we are rejected, when we are rejected, goodness, when we are rejected, when we are not accepted, when we are not considered, when we are not submitted to, or when we are not used for any type of purpose, basically when we are not accepted, which is the opposite of rejection, or the reason why we are rejected, accepted, we are not accepted. When we are not accepted, we will experience some sort of punishment or some sort of instruction. That's simple. When we are not rejected, or sorry, when we are rejected, when we are not accepted, there is a punishment or there is instruction. And this goes in our worldly lives as well as biblically when there is not acceptance when there is rejection there is a punishment or there is instruction and so first samuel 8 7 talked about how when samuel was going to be king the lord or people were not accepting of him being king and god said they're not rejecting you they're rejecting me and so when we look at rejection We can either be rejected inside of God's will or we can be rejected outside of God's will. And I believe it's important for us when we experience rejection and discipline in life period that it is always inside of God's will. Because one, we are living for God in everything that we do. That is our objective in life is to live for him. Um, But also when we are operating outside of God's will, when we are operating outside of his plan for our lives, then the rejection that we experience is more of a punishment than it is an instruction. It's more of pain than it is 
anything else, more of suffering, more of loss. And so operating inside of God's will turns discipline into correction and, and instruction. Operating outside of God's will turns the discipline into punishment and repercussion. And so none of us want to be punished. You know, we have already established that God is our father, that we are his creation, that we are his sons and daughters. And like any relationship with a parent and a child, when you receive discipline from your parent, when you get in trouble for something you have done or did not do, there is a punishment. That punishment also or usually involves some type of suffering or some type of pain, whether you be whooped or some type of loss, whether you have something taken away from you. And that punishment is retribution for your actions. And so when we operate outside of God's will, there is a punishment that is retribution for our actions. Like in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it talks about how God didn't know us. Like, we don't want to get to the end of our lives and do all the things, you know, serve in the church, read and pray every day, fast, you know, encourage people in Christ, do all the things that are religious and then get to heaven and God's like, I never knew you. We don't want that. That is a punishment. That is, that is rejection beyond. That's rejection outside of God's will because the repercussion of that rejection is the discipline that resulted in punishment, not the discipline that resulted in instruction. And so when we receive God's discipline, we wanna receive God's instruction and his correction, not his punishment. Because when we receive his punishment, we don't know how that is going to impact our, I'm not gonna say our destiny, because that sounds really woo-woos, you know, but we don't know how that's going to impact I'm going to say our destiny. We don't know how it's going to impact our destiny. We don't know if we are going to enter into eternal life or, you know, reap the benefits of living for Christ and living righteously and being able to enter into heaven and being able to build a relationship with the Father and being able to be cleansed and live righteously and holy and being able to serve God in the kingdom after this life has ended. We don't have that when we suffer his punishment because his punishment may take away our path into heaven. It may take away our opportunity to serve him and enter into eternal life. And that is when rejection is not beneficial to the soul. As he wrote in the letter, rejection could be for the best if it's in God's will. But when you are operating outside of God's will and you are experiencing rejection outside of God's will, then you are not living for Christ. And that rejection can result in a punishment that may lead you into eternal damnation instead of eternal life. And that is not a rejection that you want to accept for your life, nor is a, re a rejection that anyone would want to wish upon your life because the enemy's here to steal, kill, and destroy. And so his ultimate purpose is to make sure that you are in hell with him. And we do not want that for you. And so we want to receive rejection and discipline inside of God's will. And what that looks like is allowing the Lord to instruct us when we do not feel like we are accepted or considered or submitting to his will. 
And so that is where the side of discipline goes into instruction and correction and not punishment. So when we look at the actual definition of discipline, it's punishment or instruction. The instruction element of discipline says a command or principle intended to be as a general rule of action in order, correction, direction, or the action of teaching. And so when we receive rejection, when we refuse to accept something, when we refuse to consider something, when we refuse to submit to something or to use something or to listen to the word of God, to receive it or to admit that it is true, when we refuse that, when we reject that, the Lord can correct us. He can use his rejection, us rejecting him as a form to correct us and to teach us what his word truly means, how to apply his word to our life, how to look at the Bible, not literally, but literally, you know, how to accept it as instruction and not as just text. When we receive rejection from other people, then the Lord may be using that to protect us, to teach us who we need to be around and who we do not need to be around, to show us his love and his direction and his safety and his guidance within the body of Christ when we operate inside of his will. And so I'm grateful for rejection inside of God's will because it is that rejection that leads to the discipline that involves instruction. And we all seek instruction. And so we, when we look at Hebrews 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 5 through 13, and we have the word here, y'all. Yes, we have the Bible here. When we look at Hebrews 12, verse 5 through 13, it reads, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us only for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. In the letter, my father wrote that rejection could be for the best if it's in God's will. Rejection inside of God's will is not rejection, it's discipline. And God disciplines those whom he loves. And so the fact that we have learned from this letter 
that what's most important is our personal relationship with God and that we are his sons and daughters and that we shall respect him as our father shows that we are children of God. And when we are children of God, children of God receive discipline just like children of any parent. Children of God receive discipline just like any parent. Just because you come to know God does not mean that you will not be disciplined because discipline is used as a tool to prepare. Discipline is used as a tool to correct us, and it's used as a tool to show God's love for us. Because we don't just, you know, become believers and automatically we are the most perfect people. No, this is a process. This is a process. This is a spiritual journey that we take here on earth because we are not truly perfected until we get to heaven. And so in order to be perfect when we get to heaven, this is training ground. This is our training ground. Like the movie Training Day with Denzel, when he took out dude, like, no, this, our time here on this earth is our training ground. We are allotted a specific amount of time that we don't know how long that time is. For my father, it's 56 years, which I believe was done prematurely because he took his own life. But we don't know how long our time on, earth, on this earth is going to be. And so while we are here, we should receive the discipline of God and we should accept him as our father and be his children and accept his discipline because it is going to prepare us for eternal life in Christ. As the scripture said, this was from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 13. As the scripture said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. God's discipline is not his rejection. It is not his rejection because you are operating in his discipline inside of his will, not operating in his discipline outside of his will, because then you wouldn't be obeying his word. You wouldn't be operating in discipline at all. And so it says, don't give up when he corrects you. The Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. But it says that when you endure this divine discipline, there's a difference. When you endure this divine discipline, this discipline that is given to you by God, it's because you are children of God. And then it talks about, it says, who has ever heard of a child who was not disciplined by its father? Now we all know them spoiled children who have not received discipline by their earthly parents, the children that are running around losing their minds, the children that have no respect for anybody, the children that are destroying everything around them as a way to get attention, as a way to find love, as a way to receive acceptance, as a way to just feel accepted, you know? We all know them spoiled children, them children who have not been disciplined. Those are not children who are loved by their parents. Point blank period. I'm sorry. But they're not loved by their parents. Because if God disciplines his children as an act of love, then we should also discipline our children as an act of love to make sure that they are prepared for the life that God has for them. Because it says here that if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his child at all. If God does not discipline you, if you do not receive correction and instruction from our Heavenly Father, when you act up, you know, when you feel the, the urge to repent, when you don't turn away from your sin, because you don't feel like you are convicted of anything. When you don't receive the Lord's discipline, you are not his children because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. But it also, what I love here, it says, 
Since we respected our earthly fathers who discipline us, shouldn't we even more respect the discipline of our father of our spirit? Our parents did the best they could. It even says here, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. They are human just like us. Our parents are not gods. Our parents are not perfect. Our parents do not know everything. They are human just like us. Forgive your father for not being the world's best dad. Forgive your mother for not showing up to everything. Forgive your parents for not teaching you how to budget or how to pay bills or how to live. Forgive your parents because they, they did the best they could with what they had and with what they knew. And they emulated their parents who also did the best they could with what they had and what they knew. God's discipline is always good for us because God's discipline allows us to share in his holiness. I'm going to read that. God's discipline allows us to share in his holiness. And our objective here on earth is to live holy and righteous lives so that we can be prepared to serve Christ. That is our, our objective. This is our training ground. The whole training manual is live a holy and righteous life so that you are prepared to serve Christ. And so as this scripture closes, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 13, um, when we look at like actually chapter 11 or verse 11 in this scripture, it says that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there is a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fail but become strong. And so when we endure God's discipline, <clears throat> when we endure discipline inside of his will, it's not supposed to feel good. It's not. When you get a whooping from your parents, it don't feel good. But you learn your lesson. You don't do that again. Shoot, even when you see other people discipline, you're like, oh, I'm never doing that. I don't ever want that repercussion. That should be the same, have that same energy <laughs> when you come to Jesus Christ. Have that same energy when you lay out what's most important in your life. Because number one, what's most important is your relationship with God, your personal relationship with God and the fact that you were created in his image for him as he is your father. That's what's most important. But also, God's discipline and his rejection go hand in hand. Because if we are rejected inside of the will of God, we will receive his discipline. Discipline is a repercussion of God's rejection. But if we are rejected outside of the will of God, then we will receive his punishment, which may or may not impact where we spend eternity. And so I encourage you today to analyze your life and look at what's most important. I encourage you to look at what you fear the most and why you haven't been doing what you've been sent to do. I encourage you to look at your relationships. And if you place any of your relationships over God, if you make your spouse the God in your life, if you make your parents, your, your mother or your father, the God in your life, if you replace any of your relationships with God, 
I want you to really analyze that and look at how you can let go of anything keeping you from allowing God to be number one in your life. And I want to encourage you to really analyze your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because like any relationship, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend, like any relationship in life, we develop these relationships by spending time with one another. We develop these relationships by getting to know one another, by bearing our hearts to one another, by listening and receiving and accepting one another. We develop these relationships through love. And just like our Heavenly Father is our Father, we should also have a personal relationship with Him. And we should be developing that relationship through love. And so that concludes today's episode of the Iron Wifey Podcast. That concludes what is most important and why we should make sure that number one, God is most important in our lives. As you go through this year, take your relationship with God to another level. Take it more seriously as if it's a personal relationship of a person who you're dating or a person who you absolutely love and you wanna get to know even more. Don't take this relationship like a grain of salt. Take your personal relationship with God as the most important relationship. Because number one, it is. Um, but also, it's by allowing this relationship with, to flourish above any other relationship that is going to lead us into that peaceful harvest of right living that comes from the love and the discipline that we receive as his children. And if you have lost a loved one, if you have lost anyone in your life, then this relationship, this personal relationship with God, this relationship that is most important, is going to fill the void of any loss or any feelings of rejection or sadness or depression that you may have been feeling uh, for years. For years, this relationship is going to take precedence over any and everything. And it's also going to allow you to love people more effectively because you love them with the love of Christ and not just with emotions and man-made love that we perceive as true love. And so that is why I wanted to analyze today what's most important. And I wanted to take inventory of my life of what's most important because I agree with this letter. I believe that what's most important, number one, is God and my personal relationship with him. And I am happy that my father wrote this letter and that it's something that I can hold on to and that it's something that I can remember when I think of his life and something that I can refer back to when it comes to you know my relationship with God and making sure that he is number one and that I respect him as my father and that I listen to his voice among others and that I walk as a light in this world and that I don't let man or woman become my God and then I know that God keeps me strong and knowledgeable about his purpose. And yes, I'm reading from the letter. That I know that God keeps me strong and knowledgeable about his purpose for me. And that I'm willing to let go of anyone or anything that stands in the way of my relationship with God. Or that goes against God's will for my life. That I am willing to let go of my, my father or my mother or my sister or my brother or my spouse if they don't serve God. Because I know that it's more important to serve God than it is to serve man. 
And I know that, that I have to learn that when God shows me something, that it's a sign and that I must acknowledge and pray for revelation. And when God showed me this letter, I knew that it was a sign. And I knew that I had to acknowledge it and pray for more revelation, which is why I'm here sharing this, the study that I received from this letter that I found or my, that my stepmom found when preparing for the death of my father, that I had to pray over this and I had to receive revelation to see what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about this because someone else could have just been like, oh yeah, this is what's most important, but look what happened. No, I look at this letter as this is what's most important and this is what needs to live on. Because even when we experience a darkness that's so dark that it may even take us away, that it may feel like life is coming to an end, if we focus on these words, if we focus on our personal relationship with God, if we focus on what is most important in our lives, that being God, then we will be able to withstand any attacks from the devil. And I feel like my dad may have lost focus of what he believed was most important, what he wrote down was most important. And I don't want to lose track of what he believed was most important, but also what I believe is most important, and that being my personal relationship with God. And I know I'm going in circles, y'all, but I'm actually very passionate about this. I believe that if he would have stuck to what the Lord was showing him in his study, in his personal time with God, and not lose focus of God, and not lose focus of your personal relationship with God, then you are choosing life over death. And so I encourage you today to not lose focus of what's most important. Don't lose focus of God. That's it. That's it. I'm going to just leave it at that. Don't lose focus of what's most important, which is God. Throughout this year, throughout 2022, over the next decades, over your entire lifetime, do not lose focus of what is most important, and that being your personal relationship with God. Because you can either operate inside of the will of God or you can operate outside of the will of God. But either way, at the end of the day, what's most important is your relationship with God. And if you focus on that, that will keep you inside of the will of God at all times throughout your entire life. And it will keep you from experiencing the rejection or the depression or the sadness or the death that takes place outside of God's will. Because all things work together for the good of those who are called and believe in God according to his will. And I believe that if we are able to focus and remain in the will of God, then all good and perfect things will come into our lives and operate according to his will for our lives. And not only that, but we, even after this life, we will see and receive the eternal life that comes from living holy and righteous lives in Christ. That concludes today's episode. I love you guys. I am praying for you guys. I really want you to take inventory of your life and figure out what's most important for your life this year. So as we execute, as we kill off the things that have prevented us from carrying out God's will, as we execute as in carry out the plans that God has for our lives, and as we execute as in sign our names on everything that God has for us this year, remain focused on what's most important. Remain focused on what's most important. But that concludes today's episode. Happy Sunday. Happy new week. 
We have made it through the first week of January. We are headed into week two. I am so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited that you joined me for this episode. And I am so excited for what the Lord has in store for your life this year. Focus on what's most important. But outside of that, loves, I will talk to you guys next week in another episode of the Iron Wifey Podcast. Bye.